Well, hey, hey, everybody, it's Dana Shea, and you are listening to Real Relationship Talk. Today is episode 14, you guys, and we are almost done with our series, The Five Relationship Mistakes That Are Wrecking Your Life. Well, as you all know, we introduced a new segment on the podcast called Q&A with Dana Shea. And today's question comes from an Instagram listener, Britt. And Britt wants to know, how do you approach setting boundaries with family, including sisters-in-laws? So very specific question there. I think that boundaries is something that is very important. I think a lot of us actually could probably relate to Britt's question. And so as you all know, I'm going to answer that question at the end of the episode. So feel free to send me your questions at Q&A at DanaShea.com. That's the letter Q and spelled out, and then the letter A, Q and A, at DanaShea.com. Well, without any further ado, you guys, I'm going to set this episode up for you. My husband, Sean, is back yet again for this fourth installment of our five relationship mistakes that are wrecking your life. And today, you guys, we're going to talk about hidden fears. I think that fear is something that overwhelms so many of us, and it affects so many of us. Fear is not one of those things that most of us like to admit that we have for various reasons. But I find that this little tricky enemy, if you will, is affecting so many of us and our relationships. Fear actually causes us to be immobile. It keeps us from experiencing true intimacy and true love the way that we want and the way that we deserve. And so Sean and I get really candid, as usual, about how fear has affected our relationship. And I hope that this conversation will be really encouraging to you and actually help you to be able to identify some of the fears in your own relationship. And I'm going to give you some solutions on how to rid yourself of fear so that you do not have to continue to live below the destiny, the purpose that I believe God has for you in your relationships. So let's jump right into our conversation today. So Sean, we are back for our fourth week of these relationship mistakes we've been talking about. Um, I think that out of all the relationship mistakes that people make, this one is definitely more under the surface. It kind of reminds me of apathy a little bit, where it's kind of always working in the background. And even if people don't realize that they are being affected by this particular relationship mistake, it's showing up in their relationships. And we are talking, of course, today about fear. And we're going to spend the next several minutes of this episode talking about different fears that people experience in their relationships and how those different fears are affecting them. And so I know as I was thinking about this topic and as I've been talking to different couples, as I've been on social media, I mean, several different relationship groups, one of the things that I realized is how many people are actually being affected by fear and how many of them might not even know it. They might not even classify what they're dealing with as fear. So today I wanted us to have a conversation, Sean, because I really feel like I know for me personally, Fear has definitely played a factor in my relationships, both before I got married and after I got married. And if I'm not careful, it can find its way creeping into our relationship now. For example, for me, you know, a lot of times we all know, like most of us deal on some level with the fear of rejection. I think that comes from childhood. It comes from um, just us not having a good 
healthy confidence in ourselves. It can come from many different things. But I know for me, as we were really going through kind of the thick of the worst in our marriage, I definitely had this fear of intimacy, this fear of reconnecting. And when I say intimacy, I'm not talking about sexual intimacy. I'm talking about just a fear of deeply connecting with somebody else. And I do see that a lot again, in singles and in married people. And so I just wanted us to just have a conversation because I feel like what stays hidden stays empowered. And I feel like if we can actually begin to talk about some of these fears, then we can disempower them and they will lose their hold on our lives and we'll be able to actually enjoy healthy, abundant, flourishing relationships. But before we can actually fix it, we have to talk about what these fears are and how they're actually damaging our relationships. So what about you, Sean? Have you found yourself operating out of fear in a relationship, whether it was a relationship with me or with someone else when you were single after you got married? Yeah, I can say so. Um, For the longest time I lived my life, I mean, when I look back on it, I lived out of fear um, of rejection. Um, That was a big thing because you always want you don't want to be hurt, per se. So you never really open up to anything or anybody. You know, you always keep yourself guarded. And um, I didn't know at the time what it was. I mean, I could look back now and say what it was. You know, I just didn't want to um, I didn't want to be let down. I didn't want to go all out. And then someone said, oh, yeah, that's not what I was looking for. This wasn't good enough. So I categorize that as fear of rejection. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me just pause right there and say, I think you just hit on a really good point. You said you don't want to go all out and then have somebody basically walk away from you anyway. And I think that a lot of people can identify with that, you know, and not even, you know, let's just take a break from talking about relationships. Like that can be even on a job. Like if you give your a hundred percent effort to a job and then you have a supervisor who doesn't appreciate that or you get let go, it's like, dang, you know, I just did all of that for nothing. Mm -hmm. And so I think that a lot of times we will bring that fear into our relationships and we won't necessarily try as hard as we can because, oh my gosh, you know, it's one thing for somebody to leave me. It's another thing for them to leave me after I've actually given a hundred percent and my hundred percent still wasn't good enough. Right. Right. And I also think these, this goes back to your childhood. Um, for me, I grew up with a single parent, my mother. I mean, she did the best she could, but she was not able to be that father figure to give me the affirmation. So, you know, when you grow up not really knowing um, that you're doing a good job and you're kind of guessing, and you're always looking for approval. So, but you don't, you're scared to, again, go all out because you've never really had somebody affirm you saying you're doing a good job. So you just kind of, here hesitant there or so me personally i was kind of hesitant with different things so Mm -hmm. like what specifically were you hesitant with would you say i mean just about anything where everything i did i mean you know even i look back wherever sports or so i mean because you're always looking for that approval and then when you're not you're doing something and you're not getting what you think is should you should be getting you kind of pull back and like, well, I'm not going to keep going down this path because obviously they're not happy with what I'm doing. So I'm going to pull back instead of, you know, but I look at people who had both parents and had that, you know, had that father figure pushing them. Don't give up. Keep going. Keep going. You know, you're not going to quit. 
they might have, you know, pers- you know, been a little bit, fur- went a little further along than I did, you mm-hmm. know, and and I was able to see it later on. So that's why I'm very adamant in my kids, and you know, like you can do this. No, you're not going to give up. You are this person. You speak positive affirmations over them, so they won't give up, and they, you know, and they can give a hundred percent. Yeah, I think that not having an example is huge. Like if you don't have a healthy example of what a healthy marriage looks like, you kind of don't really have anything to shoot for. In your mind, you might think, okay, like, for example, for me, I would look at the Cosby show growing up. Mm -hmm. I would look at all these, you know, other TV shows of these families who were intact, these marriages that I looked up to. And I thought, I even had some marriages with some friends of mine as a kid who I would look up to and be like, okay, that's kind of the goal. Like, that's where I'm shooting toward. But because I didn't see that on a consistent basis, I really didn't know how to get what I wanted. So even though I wanted to go all out and put myself out there and do all the things that I thought a great wife would do, I found myself doing those things. But when my actions weren't necessarily reciprocated or appreciated, like you said, I found myself shrinking back and being like, um, no, I am not going to be given all this effort and, and still be rejected. And so I think that, you know, when we think about fear There's an old acronym. I'm sure that most people are familiar with it, but it's basically false evidence appearing real. Mm -hmm. And it's that false evidence that um, basically whenever you feel like, okay, this is actually real, like this is going to happen. You can see it in your mind. Maybe you've been rehearsing whatever the fallout is and you just keep rehearsing that thing over and over and over so much that it actually feels like that's reality. And so when you have in your mind, this bad thing is going to happen, it's almost impossible to move beyond that. And so for me, I had to just basically say, okay, fear is faith operating in reverse. (laughs) That's basically what it is. I mean, faith is putting all your hope and your trust in something that you can't see. And fear is the same. It's putting all your hope and trust in something that you can't see. So it's a matter of which which one are you going to choose to believe? Are you going to choose to have faith and that's in the positive? Or are you going to choose to be fearful into the negative? And so for me, I just said, you know what? Me being afraid, and I've grown up with lots of fears. I mean, I tend to be a very fearful person. It's 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 something that I've had to struggle against. And it's something that, you know, I continue to have to fight against in different areas of my life. And so having fear in a relationship just seemed like a normal thing because it was like, well, I have all these other fears. So why wouldn't I also be afraid in a relationship? And then when something happens, like what happened in our marriage, that just further um, echoes, oh, this is exactly what I knew was going to happen. This is why I need to hold back. This is why I need to be afraid because you can't really trust people. You trust people and then look what happens to you. And I think that that is a shame because when that happens to you, when you're hurt in a relationship and you can't really move on, then it's like you're immobilized. And that's what fear does. It actually immobilizes you from getting from point A to point B. So, Sean, we talked a little bit about the fear of rejection. What are some other fears that you feel like people are going through when it comes to relationships? I know another big thing for me was uh, failure, fear of failure. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, it goes back 
to really growing up. Um, and you I mean, you just, you never want to be a failure in something. So, um, as far as, you know, relationship wise with us, I mean, like, you know, I, I've, I fear, you know, um, not being adequate or so, you know, and so, or not being able to be, uh, a good husband, you know, a felon at a husband or felon at a dad, you know, felon at, you know, just different things, you know, being a provider. And so a lot of, a lot of times, you know, a man goes through stuff and then keeps it, he really, really beat yourself up in the head because we go through so much and, but we have to act like it's all together. But thought wise, like, you have this image you have to live up to. And if you don't live up to this image, you're a failure. Mm -hmm. Everybody might not be a Dr. Huxtable. So, you know, a doctor and different things, you know, you have this image in your head and you're not hitting those images or what you think should be. You kind of beat your own self up and kind of hold back on different things because you're not hitting those uh, markers that, that you place upon yourself. And if you don't have communication or you don't have the affirmation from your spouse or anybody else saying that you're doing a good job, you perceive yourself as a failure. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of times women, you know, I taught this class called Wife Life. And this is where a lot of times women don't understand the insecurities that our husbands deal with. Because like you said, Sean, it's like most men, they put this facade of strength and maybe it's not like a facade, like they're trying to pretend, but it's like, that's what's expected of them. They have to appear to be in control. They have to appear to be strong. They have to appear like nothing really riles them. And so as a woman, we might look at our husbands and be like, oh, okay, well, he's he's fine. You know, we don't understand a lot of times that internal dialogue that's going on, that second guessing himself, those insecurities, him feeling like a failure, him feeling like he's not measuring up. And I know when I started coming across that research and then realizing, oh, dang, like my affirmations really mean a lot to you. And, you know, me and you, we had a conversation just a couple of days ago where you were saying that you needed more of that from me. Mm -hmm. And and I get it. That's one of my number one love languages, you know, is words of affirmation. And so I think that you're right, you know, when, you, when you're when you trying something new, again, if you did not grow up in a household where you saw a healthy marriage in front of you, when you try to create that on your own, that's something new. And so your spouse can be a great benefit when they actually give you a nod in the right direction and be like, hey, you're doing a great job. You're a great father. You're a great dad. I love it when you do such and such and such. And so that's just another reminder for me. Um, to to help you out in that way. You know, another thing is uh, we we also are competing what people what we think people think of us. So I mean, that's another fear is where we're not only beating our own selves up. You know, we're thinking like, what is the next person thinking about us? Mm -hmm. You know, so so that's another battle in itself, all all in itself, right there. When again, you're beating yourself up. Now you go. To, to the next guy and or next girl, whoever, and be like, man, I wonder what they think. They they don't think I'm um they don't think I'm succeeding. They think I'm a failure. So now you're you're get double doses or so. Yeah, it's interesting. I was reading an article not too long ago, it was the other day, um, with Tristan Thompson, and I don't know if you guys follow celebrity news or what have you, but Tristan Thompson was in a relationship with one of the Kardashian girls and 
They ended up um, breaking up because he was unfaithful to her. And so I came across this article. And so Tristan Thompson, who is an NBA player, was talking about this ideal NBA player image that he kind of had to play into. And he said something that I thought was really profound, and it has everything to do with what we're talking about on this episode. And he basically said, I was afraid of what other people would think of me if I allowed myself to fall that deeply in love. Like he had to kind of put on this this, um, player persona. He had to put on this act that he was you know, dating all these women. And internally, he really just wanted to settle down and be deeply in love with one person. But because of the fear of what everybody else thought, he robbed himself of that opportunity. Mm. And I think that's kind of like an extreme case. Like most of us are not NBA basketball players or reality TV stars. But I wonder how many people have felt that even again, subconsciously, and have self-sabotaged their relationships because I can't be weak. I And I'm thinking, especially for guys, like, you know, I can't let my wife see me like all goo-goo-eyed over her, or I can't let her know that, you know, she's got such a hold on me. And maybe women do it, maybe females do it too. But I feel like, you know, we hold ourselves back from the very thing that we want a lot of times because we're so afraid of how is this going to make me look? i tell you one big killer of social media, really. I mean, because... You see so much stuff out there on social media, especially for guys like what the image of what they should be and how they should be. And a lot of guys take that and run with it like, well, so-and-so is doing this. I mean, you said we're not all NBA basketball players, but if that's what we see they're doing, it gets passed down. Well, they're doing it, so every guy should be doing it this way. Every guy should have multiple females, multiple, you know, relationships or so like that and not not you know be settled down to one and so it's just not really again i said it goes back to social media is what you see and you perceive is the right thing and then that's what's getting passed down that goes back down to again a father figure or somebody speaking into you Mm -hmm. so if you don't have that speaking into you like this is what you do one man, you know, and you dedicate to your um, one woman versus five or six. So it's, it's really what you, you know, what you're um, what's speaking into you. Right. And so, yeah. And I think that's why we have such a responsibility to protect what we allow ourselves to watch, what we allow ourselves to look at, who we idolize. Um, You know, we always talk with the boys, with our kids all the time about, you know, these people that you see on TV, that's not really how they live their lives. Like they're putting on a, a performance, if you will. You know, they're actors, they're rappers, they're like everything that you see is not really what you see. And so we have to be responsible to say, okay, who am I actually going to allow to influence me? Do I have a mentor? You know, we talk a lot about mentorship and this is why, because you're exactly right. The example that you see in front of you is who you're going to emulate, good or bad. And this is why, again, you can have um, someone who doesn't have all the education in the world. They might not be the most, you know, the best looking person or the most intelligent person, but they can be an amazing husband or an amazing wife because of who they chose to emulate. Mm. That's good. So I think one of the other fears that I wanted to talk about is a fear of intimacy. 
And I kind of touched on this a little while ago um, when I was talking about myself and how I've always loved and sought deep relationships. You know, I don't like to live in the shallow waters. You hear me talk about this all the time, Sean. I'm like, I don't want to be in the shallow waters. Let's go deep. Let's go deep. But at the same time, if I'm honest, that is also a very scary place to be because think about it like a pool. You know, I tell the story all the time. I remember when Colin was two years old and um, we went to a local pool and we were like, come on, Colin. You know, we were all wanting to get into the deep end. And Colin was like maybe three or four years old and he just wanted to stay in the two feet. And so we were like, come on, Colin, it's fun in the deep end. And in the shallow end, he could control himself. And the shallow end, it was literally up to like his knees, you know, maybe his waist, if that. But that was where he wanted to be because it wasn't scary there. He had complete control there. And if he fell down, he could just stand right back up and catch himself. In the deep end, he didn't have control. He would have had to rely on one of us because he couldn't swim at that time. He would have had to rely on one of us to catch him. If he fell underwater, he would be completely immersed. And I feel that that's how a lot of us operate in relationships. We want to stay on the shallow end because we can control the shallow end. But when we go on the deep end, we have no control. We are overcome. We are overwhelmed, if you will, with with love for this other person or with allowing this other person to love us. And it makes us uneasy because we can't control it. And so because even if we want that intimacy, we feel so out of control, we tend to hold back. We tend to say, I'll do this, but I won't go that far. You know, I'll let you love me, but you, but there's a limit. So we start having all these boundaries and, and boundaries are great. And <laughs> I'm not saying that they're not good, but we start having all of these Um, artificial boundaries to kind of protect us from getting hurt. And so I think there's three different intimacies. When I talk about intimacy, it's not just sexual, right? It can be a fear of emotional intimacy. Like I can't really share with my spouse what's deeply hurting me because I'm afraid if I really tell them, if I really show them my heart, they're going to fill in the blank. There's a fear there, right? Or even a fear of intellectual intimacy. I see this with women, especially women all the time, where women will be extremely educated or um, they'll be like, you know, boss babes, like killing it on their job. But then when they come home, they feel like they have to dumb themselves down. They feel like they can't truly be who they really are because they don't want to outshine their husbands or for fear that their husbands might think that they're outshining them. Or... Like me coming on this podcast because I'm not as intellectual or uh, cannot verbalize as well as you. So I don't really want to talk about things and like that. But I had to overcome that fear and to come up here. But yeah, And so. I really appreciate you doing that. So. I love I love the fact that you can just be you and I can just be me. And even as we're sitting here having this conversation together, people are listening to this and they're like, wow, like you're not a professional podcaster. I'm not a professional podcaster. We're only 14 episodes in, you know, but the fact that you are doing something that's way outside of your comfort zone. Um, and so that's, that's huge, Sean. That's, that's great. Um, and then of course, you know, we're, we do have to talk about that fear of sexual intimacy. There's a lot of couples, 
um, who deal with that. You know, their sexual intimacy is shallow because what they've been, what they were raised to believe is that intimacy equals sex. And intimacy is so much more than sex. Even sexual intimacy is more than sex. And so if I'm a female and maybe I have some past wounds, um, I'm not going to be completely open sexually as a wife. And maybe if you're a husband and you've had 50 sexual partners and so you can't really connect with a woman anymore because you've objectified women for so long, now there's this... this um, chasm in your relationship with your spouse and you can't really figure out the whole sexual thing because there's a fear of really just bearing yourselves to each other. In the beginning, in the Bible, it says that God created Adam and Eve and they were naked and unashamed. And I think of that naked and unashamed, of course, physically, yes, they were naked. They didn't have any clothes on, but it's more than that. It's that they were completely open and vulnerable with each other. They were completely themselves and they were not ashamed. And we're actually going to be talking about shame on our next podcast episode, but they were completely unashamed. They weren't hiding anything. They were completely bare with each other. And I really believe that that is the goal of every marriage, that we can be naked and unashamed with each other and that we don't have to fear rejection or fear failure or fear intimacy. So pretty much, I mean, what I hear you saying is that we need to get away of all the ideas that were put in your head of what relationships are supposed to be. And you need to go in open-minded and be vulnerable. I mean, it's hard because, you know, you say emotional intimacy. A man is not supposed to be emotional, right? Mm. You know, he's not supposed to cry. He's not supposed to be the rock, supposed to be, you know, supposed to be all these different things. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he sometimes he has to break down. Right. And I think that, so yes, I would say yes and no. Honestly, I would say yes, we need to get rid of all of the stereotypical um examples that we've seen. We need to throw out all of that. This is what a man does. This is what a woman does. But I do believe that there are some good foundations that we can build upon. So if you grew up in a healthy home and you saw a healthy marriage, then yeah, don't throw that away. Like keep that and build upon it and make your marriage even better. But I think Brene Brown writes in her book, one of her books, actually, The Gifts of Imperfection. She talks about how women have this ideal of a man that's supposed to be emotionally available and he's supposed to be, you know, in touch with his feelings and all of that stuff until he does. And so, and that's exactly what you're saying, Sean. It's like we, women, a lot of times we have this, this kind of duplicitous um, expectation of our husbands. Like we want them to be strong, but we want them to be vulnerable, you know, but not too vulnerable. We want you to cry, but not too much. Um, We want you to be open with your feelings, but we don't want to hear a lot of drama. I see. For a guy, we we don't think much into it. I mean, we're like, okay, you tell us that. All right, so we go down that road, and then when you say, "Oh, no, that's too much," like, what the heck? You know, we, it's confusing. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm so, sure it is. I wish I wish I had a solution. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, I really think that we just have to be able to be graceful with each other and truly accept each other for who we are. You know, in our marriage, Sean, I've seen you cry, what, three times maybe in 21 years. Like, 
so I'm not sitting around being like, cry for me. Easy, easy, man. Nobody's supposed to know that. Oh, okay. I'm just kidding. I've never seen you cry before in my life. (laughs) But the truth is, is that like, you know, I'm not sitting around being like, oh, cry for me, cry for me. Or no, I shouldn't be that, right? Like, I've just learned to accept you for who you are. And would I love for you to show more emotion? Yes, I would. But I'm not going to push you beyond where you're at. And I think that if we could learn to do that, if we could truly learn what it is like to accept one another for who we are, that alone is going to dispel a lot of these fears that we have in relationships. Mm. So real quick, I just want to give us some solutions to how do we overcome? So we talked about all these fears. Now we're all like, oh my God, you know, I'm so fearful. What am I going to do? But I want to talk about some solutions and how can we overcome these fears so that they're not wrecking our relationships? And the first thing I think that we need to do is we need to learn how to just embrace uncertainty. You know, again, I'll quote Brene Brown again, um, because I think she does such a great job with talking about fear. She talks about fear and shame a lot. And one of the things that she says, and when I first heard her quote this, I, I just literally had to meditate on it for a while. But she says that the opposite of faith isn't fear, it's certainty. A lot of times we think, oh, the opposite of faith is fear, but the opposite of faith is actually certainty. And it's it's kind of like what I was talking about, Colin being in the shallow waters. You know, as long as you can control something, as long as you're certain of it, you feel like, okay, I'm I'm in control and I'm walking by faith. But you're really not walking by faith. You're just in a moment of certainty. Faith puts you in the deep end when you don't know how it's going to turn out, when you throw yourself completely into a relationship, not knowing if this is going to work or not. You know, without risk, love doesn't exist. That rhyme, that's good. (laughs) We need to, that is good. We need to tweet that, put that on Instagram. But seriously, like without risk, love doesn't exist. You can't truly have love if you're not willing to risk. And that does mean, yes, sometimes you are going to get your heart broken. You know, if you're married to someone, we've been married for 21 years, there's going to be some heartbreak, Mm -hmm. even if it's unintentional. Hopefully it's all unintentional, but there's going to be heartbreak. And so if you're not willing to risk anything, then your love is going to be really weak. So the first thing I think is that we just have to learn how to embrace uncertainty. And then number two, we do have to heal from our past. Some of us have been through some traumatic paths. Some of us have been in way too many relationships. And with each relationship, it's just baggage piled on top of baggage on top of more baggage. Mm -hmm. And so you go into your marriage or you go into a sustainable, solid relationship and you've got all these fears because you just haven't healed from your past. And I think sometimes this might require a third party. Sometimes you can't heal on your own because we all have blind spots. You don't know. You know, it's just like me. I I, I self-diagnose myself all the time. Mm-hmm. Me and WebMD, you know, <laughs> and it's like, nope, sometimes you need to go to a doctor because WebMD can't tell you everything that you have going on. I agree with that. Shout out to Impact Coaching. Plug, shameless plug. <laughs> but um, yeah. Definitely agree. Or Dana Shea relationship coaching as well. Yes. Dana Shea relationship (laughs) coaching. Yes, definitely. For men, impact coaching. For females, Dana Shea relationship coaching. 
Um, the third thing, though, I think is we need to learn how to silence our inner critic. And this is what you were talking about earlier, Sean, with just like those thoughts that are just always in your head, whether you're a male or female, husband, wife, whether you're single and you haven't been able to find a spouse yet, or maybe you don't want to find one. Maybe, maybe, and I know I'm going to step on some toes here, maybe you are not in a committed relationship because you're like, I'm good. I don't need anybody. But maybe it's not that you're good and don't need anybody. Maybe it's because there's some fears that are keeping you from actually moving into a long-term committed relationship. Obviously, that's not everybody because I know that there are some singles who desperately want to be in a relationship and for whatever reason, they're not. But I think that there are times that we're like, I don't need anybody. I don't need a man. I don't need a woman. And I'm just like, hmm, could that be? I my life like that with friends, to be honest with you. Yeah. Like, I don't need friends. Right. So. Because because of what, like past hurts? Past hurts and, you know, and um, uh, people, um, this expectation wasn't the same. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I used to live that same way. Like, I don't need friends. Yeah. That expectation disappointment thing that we talked about a couple episodes is real. Mm-hmm. Stephen Furtick wrote a book, uh, I think it was like 2013, called Crash the Chatterbox. Mm-hmm. And it's such a great book on our limiting beliefs and the noise that we have in our mind all the time. Like all of us do it. And it's it's really a process of learning how to silence that inner critic and replacing your language. And so in the Williams household, you know, we are teaching our kids and keeping ourselves accountable for our for our talk, you know, for our language, for what we say. We don't say we can't. We don't say we're going to try. We don't say we hate. We, you know, we're very um, conscientious of the language that we use because words have power. Mm -hmm. And so if you're constantly saying to yourself, I'm never going to find somebody my marriage is always going to be jacked up. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just all. I'm just a mess. I'm a wreck. You know, if you're constantly saying those things to yourself, then those are going to become self fulfilling prophecies. That's true. And so it's learning how to say, you know what? Let me get a hold of this inner critic, and let me learn how to replace my language and start actually speaking life over myself and over my relationship. So change your thinking. Right. Mm-hmm. Change your thinking and change your language. And then the final step is um, to take the courageous next step forward, you know, and that might look different for all of us. If you're single and you're like, I want to get out there and I want to meet people, but people are crazy, you know, it might be signing up on a dating app. It might be going to an event where, you know, there's going to be lots of single people there. It might be telling your friends, Hey, I'm ready to start dating again. Like whatever that next courageous step is. If you're married and you and your spouse are emotionally closed off from each other because you're both afraid, then somebody has to take the first step Mm -hmm. and somebody has to say, hey, like I want us to get out of the shallow water and I want us to have a deeper relationship. I want to be able to talk to you about what's really going on with me. And then you have to just do it. Like take the next courageous step. And then after you've taken that step, take another one and another one and another one. Crazy thing is, is one of you, you're probably, you're waiting on each other to take that step. Right. And Whoever takes the first step, the other person's ready and waiting to do whatever it needs to do. Like, I'm here for you. You know, I often listen to um, 
Pastor Dan when he says that um, when he had first had his cancer diagnosis and he was devastated and, you know, and it was going through a lot of stuff in his head and he went home and just broke down to Rhonda and she just like rose up mm-hmm. and prayed for him. I mean, it was like took it to a whole new level and was like, and I often think of that story like, man, when I'm going through stuff, I don't have to go through this alone. Right. Let me give it to Dana. And, you know, and so I'm not walking alone so she can walk through this with me, you know, pray with me and be there for me and be my rock. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times for guys, we, again, we think we have to go through it alone. So, yeah, like you said, you know, take that next step because nine times out of 10, I mean, it's not every time, but nine times out of 10, your spouse, your partner, your friend, you know, whoever is waiting to walk through it with you and be there for you. Mm -hmm. And just for clarification, for those of you who do not know, Pastor Dan is our pastor and Rhonda is his wife. And so, but no, that's a great story, Sean. And that's a great um, analogy for us that you're exactly right. You know, I um, feel like I'm always taking the first step sometimes. Oh boy, (laughs) oh man. You start a whole new conversation. Mm. You had to throw that in at the end. Mm. I had to throw that in at the end and be like, all right, thanks so much, guys, for joining us. Yeah. <laughs> but no, the truth of the matter is you're right. Somebody has to take the first step, but um, you're right that there's another person, your spouse, your partner, who is more often than not waiting and willing to go the next level. But somebody has to lead. Somebody has to say, okay, I'm going to take a risk. And I am going to be more open. I'm going to self-disclose something. Um, I just think it's such a shame if you're married and you are not willing or do not feel like you are able to just be open and honest with each other. Uh, Marriage is the or should be the closest relationship that you have. And so it is our hope today, you all, that you are able to move beyond these fears that you are able to accept yourself first and foremost for who you are and then allow someone to love you and you allow yourself to love someone else. Go into the deep end, take the courageous next step so that you can have the relationships that you have longed for and the relationships that you deserve. All right, guys. Well, there you have it. We have just tackled this whole conversation about fear. And after the podcast, Sean and I actually continued to talk about how we have seen fear show up in our own relationship. It was a great private conversation for us. And I hope that the conversation that we were able to have on the podcast has helped you, has encouraged you, maybe challenged you a little bit. Maybe you've never really considered yourself to be a fearful person. And that's fine. You don't have to be a fearful person to actually have fear in your relationships. So I hope that this conversation will help you and your partner, your spouse, to be able to address some of these hidden fears in your own relationship. So let's answer Britt's question. Earlier in the podcast, I told you that um, we had an Instagram listener who actually wrote in who wanted to have her question answered on the podcast. And it was, how do you approach setting boundaries with family, especially sisters-in-law? And just before I get into that answer, I want to remind you all, if you have questions, you can send those questions in on Facebook, on Instagram, or you can email me directly at Q&A at DanaShea.com. That's the letter Q, the word and, and then the letter A at DanaShea.com. So this was my answer to Britt. I said, oh, this is such a great question topic. I did an entire teaching on boundaries and relationships. 
I will be doing it again for the podcast. So surprise, surprise, guys, that is going to be our next series. We're going to be talking all about boundaries and relationships. Anyways, back to my answer. I said, remember that boundaries are always about you and not the other person or people. When you decide what you will allow and what you will not allow in your relationships, people have no choice but to fall in line. So for example, if your sisters-in-law are trying to run your life or if they are too opinionated, your boundary might be, quote, I appreciate your concern, but I do not receive unsolicited advice from people, end quote. So when they start butting in, you politely hold your hand up and say, I appreciate your concern, but I do not receive unsolicited advice from others. Now, most people do not respond well initially to boundaries. However, as long as you enforce them consistently, they will learn to adjust their behavior if they want to remain in relationship with you. So if you are dealing with someone, maybe in your life, whether it be family, friends, a loved one, maybe even your spouse, and that person is constantly encroaching on your boundaries, remember that boundaries are always about you. They are safety zones that you are placing around yourself. And so you're not telling other people what they can't do or what they can do. You're just telling them what you will or will not allow. So I hope that that helps you all to be able to start setting some boundaries around your relationships. So that is all for our podcast today. You guys, be sure that you are subscribed to this podcast. Be sure that you're sharing these episodes with others if they are helping you. And I would love to hear from you. So be sure to leave me a review. And of course, if you have not already downloaded the free ebook that we've been talking about for the last several episodes, the five relationship mistakes that are wrecking your life, head on over to danashay.com slash relationship mistakes and get your free copy. That is it. You all have a wonderful week and we will see you on next week's episode. To the loop. Hey everybody, I'm Dale. And I'm Tamara. We're hosts of the Kainos Project podcast. Where we help you tackle ancient Christian truths in everyday settings. To learn more and subscribe, go to lifeaudio.com.